episode number 121. Liam Clean, you're listening to the Apple Podcast, and I am your host, Simon Head. Hey, you looking to get a special present for somebody? Something that's maybe somewhat homemade? You need 3D printing done? Go to insightrecorders.com slash 3D prints and get some 3D printing work done. There's these things called lithophanes. And what they are, they kind of date back into the beginning of time. And what it is, if you we look at it with the, with the light on the top of it, it looks like a glob of plastic until you put it into the light and look it through the light. And it's an actual picture. So you can have your picture printed to be a 3D printed picture. So go to insightrecorders.com slash 3D prints and check it out. That's number three, letter D, prints. If you're interested in supporting the show using my affiliate program, go to appalog.ca slash Amazon. That, that's if you're a Canadian, of course. If you're not Canadian, you're American or either from the UK, you can go to appalog.ca and click on the banners located on the right side. Locate your country, whether it be from USA, UK, or Canada, you can bookmark the link banners, and every time you shop on Amazon, use those links to start shop and support the show. Cost you no extra money, and it's awesome. Go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Apolog, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Apolog, and Apolog is A-P-O-L-O-G-U-E. You can pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees. Cancel at any time, pledge as much or as little. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of cool. And it does help the show out tremendously, by the way. I have patrons. I have three patrons, and they really help the show out. Thank you so much to those three, and you know who you are. Insight Recorders. Insight Recorders is not just a recording studio, but it's an online mixing place. So you can get your record or album or cassette or a bunch of music. You can get it mixed and mastered to add a professional touch. There's also, yeah, it's an actual recording studio. And I'm booking time for the summer right now. Uh, so go to insightrecorders.com slash contact. Check out the rates. Just check it out. There's web stores there too. If you want to buy some stuff, like buy a t-shirt, you can go to apolog.ca slash shop. Buy the Foursquare discography. That's my one of my first bands for $20. It's like 70-odd songs. Don't forget to uh, subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes. Check it out, Apple Log Podcast on, on iTunes. And give it five stars, please. Like the show on Facebook and follow me at SimonHead666. Today's guest is an old friend of mine, Liam Colleen. Liam used to, be, used to be my co-op student. When I had my recording studio, he would come help out on, every day. And sort of do something, two or three hours a day. And he actually did not just one semester as a... Co-op student, I think he did three. So he actually got, I think, got two credits out of it, and I got him through high school. He uh, he went on, like, we kind of just didn't talk for a long while, and he went on to become a road manager and then a uh, actual manager. And right now, he is the principal manager for this band called The Tea Party. If you heard of The Tea Party, they were banned around the 90s. They've been kicking around for years and years, and now making a comeback, and it's all because of Liam. Liam's a good guy. He's a good friend. And uh, I want you all to meet my friend, Liam. And if you know him already, listen to this show with Mr. Liam Colleen on the Apple Log Podcast.
Liam, we have known each other for... It's now uh, 19 years. 19 years. And I, I met you when you were what? Of what age? Oh, dear. Without making it sound bad, I was a high school, <laughs> I was a young high school boy. Uh, mm-hmm. I would have probably been... Supple. Yeah, supple. <laughs> Not a care in the world. I think I was going into grade 11. So that would have made me uh, 16 years old. There you So... You can't, I get this phone call, and it's. I think it's from you, and somehow you met. On a, on a landline. On a landline, like yeah. Ring Ring, Inside Recorders, and it was you, and you had your band, and your band was called? The 420 Club. The 420. <laughs> and we were a ska band. A ska band. <laughs> oh, man. I got, there's a story I tell after this, but I, you, I'm sure you remember it, but uh, so hey, you know, we're in this band, want you to record us. And somehow I was the guy that you called. And then we just became friends, like after that. Like we just kept working together. Uh, you you contacted me to try and get some high school credits because you needed a, some sort of... Simon, I think I graduated high school because of you. <laughs> so I, don't, don't be so, <laughs> so humble about it. But I, I recall it was like late spring of... Um, 1998 and yeah that makes sense oh my god 98 whoa or 99 whatever it was um my band gave me the task of finding a place to record our record we were going to do a a split cd with another band called two stroke finish oh i remember them i recorded that too you did (laughs) and and not only did you record it but this this shows uh, my inexperience, and the reason that I was actually tasked with finding the studio was because I had an uncle that years ago had been in the music industry. So they're like, "You're the most qualified. Go find us." <laughs> so I made some calls, and I I think I got an email to like my family's email account from uh, someone that you were working with at the time, and they were like, "Hey, here's." here's the studio, here's what's up. And I think I emailed back with like, okay, I have a budget of X amount of dollars. We need 10 songs recorded over two days, mixed, then we need mastering, and we need artwork and CD duplication because I just assume it's all done at the same Yeah, it's right. Place. We just put in the basement. We just put them in there. Why not? Yeah. I mean, although that, that basement... that that creepy. Yeah, it was a little creepy. <laughs> um, but I, I recall... We went in and it was like, we, we talked to you and we're like, okay, so we have two bands and we have 10 songs and we have two days. And I don't think we slept. I think we consumed more KFC than, than <laughs> most humans should. Yeah, that was right across the road. Wasn't and it? there was a rule. You, you instigated the no KFC rule in the studio because of that. Oh, um, that's right. And, and rightfully so. <laughs> but I remember we, we were recording and it's like, a, there was no click track because nope. I mean, if you put me on a click track back then, I don't, I don't know what I would have done. But yeah. uh, <laughs> we did, yeah, we did ten songs in two days, and um, it was pretty bad. But that's not because of you. I mean, that, no. was, that was the that was the level of talent and uh, and planning we were bringing to the table. I don't remember it being you know bad. I remember it being fun and enjoyable. I remember there was one moment where. It was your singer said, "Oh, my mom's gonna buy the CD, and there's a bad word. I don't want to get the bad word out of it." We had to I had to beep out. We had to beep it. Beep out the f bomb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's uh. Oh man. So we did, but I had like a little tone generator on my board, and I remember trying to do this mix. Yeah. And then at that one part, I had to 
beep, the hit the little button to go beep, so they would get the beep out of it. I remember know? the beep, and it was really late. Oh yeah, and and you know what the funny part is, is that the beep called attention to the word, whereas I think if we had just left it in, <laughs> yeah, it would probably have. would have slid by. Because it was overly loud, too. It was yeah. overly loud, but it was one of those things where I remember it being, um, I think you were recording while laying down under your board because it was like three in the morning and you're like, these damn kids with this energy and <laughs> they have to be done in two days. But at like two o'clock in the morning, Greg Norrie uh, of, of Treble Charger infamy walks into the studio with this this young punk kid that is is Derek Wibley oh. and I remember being in the uh just sort of in the recording room and all of us were sitting there and we all kind of perked up because we're like oh holy shit man that's Greg Norrie <laughs> and uh and I remember he was like who's the drummer and I'm just like uh that that's me and he's like good work Man, I that was fuel for me for like yeah, five years. That was an, that was enough for me. But I don't remember that. But I remember you used to drop in. Simon, if you were the drummer, you would remember. Yeah, that. okay, but well, yeah. I don't remember that part. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> but I I don't remember because now now you're saying that I do remember that Greg sometimes used to just sort of come by. It's when he had that uh, that Jetta that I think he gifted you. He gave to me. Yeah, because I was recording a snow album with him. That's right. And uh, he was sick and tired of picking me up. So he gave me his car. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's like, you're probably never safety. It'll, it'll never like, it won't, you know, pass inspection. And the muffler fell off on the way home. I was driving home from Paula Danielovich's apartment yep. place over at Mississauga. In Mississauga, yeah. And the muffler fell off on the gardener. So it was like, Bruh. so I went, the next morning I went to Canadian Tower, I got muffler tape, just yeah. like regular tape. I taped it up and it passed emissions and then it certified. The, like the next day I had a, a license plate on it. I was driving it around. Oh man. And Greg was just sort of like, how'd you do that so fast? I'm yeah. like, listen, man, I have no idea. Like the tires, you think of what it's like now, like the tires were okay. This yeah. Was, everything was fine on the thing. And to talk about the, the power of the, the, the sexiness of the business of music, mm. um, you are also the reason I got my driver's license. <laughs> so I, I don't know if you remember this, no. but we were, uh, we'll, we'll backtrack to this story in a second, how I ended up working with you for, yeah. for a year at your studio. But I, I was your co-op kid. And I mean, my duties included uh, using a, a thumbtack to um, poke through the holes of the percolating coffee machine because it, it was not giving us good drip mm -hmm. uh, to answer the, you know, insight recorders. How may we help you? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, you know, that... garbages, cheese sandwiches, all sorts of microwaves, microwaves, just the, the, you know, th this is why you get into the business. Yeah. But I remember you had just moved studios and you were in your house mm -hmm. uh, in, in like East York sort of Scarborough yeah. border. Yeah, close to here. Actually. You were recording a band called the Tri-Lambs. Oh, I remember them. And the drummer um, went out and and came with me and we were getting food for everyone. And I remember he had a, a new truck and I was like, wow, it was a nice truck. Like, you know, what do you do for a living? I know drumming in the Tri-Lambs doesn't buy you a truck like this. <laughs> um, and he was like, oh, I'm a driving examiner and i'm like that's amazing i've failed the drive test twice <laughs> and i think it must have been a drummer to drummer thing but he was like book your appointment here right here at the corner actually at the corner of vic park and lawrence yeah he's like book it uh i'm gonna go in that morning i will make sure that you have i have your file just <laughs> do me a solid and don't act like you know me 
when I see you. Yeah. So I let my mom know I was doing this and she's just <laughs> shaking her head. But I think that she realizes that the quicker I have my license, the quicker I'll That's... shut up and probably get out of their hair. Yeah. So I went to the driver's center and he comes out and I'm just like, uh, hey. He's like, Liam, right? Yep. Nice to meet you. So we get in the car and he's like, what do you want to do for 20 minutes? And we went to Tim Hortons. <laughs> we went to Tim Hortons on I, I Victoria never heard Park. This story. Oh yeah, that is. So we went to awesome. Tim Hortons on Vic Park, and then on the way back, he goes, "All right, just pull over here." And we were in a school zone, and he goes, uh, "All right, uh, pretend that we're on a downhill grade, and you need to emergency park." Yeah. So I turn the wheel one way, and I pull the e brake, and he goes, <clears throat> and he sort of points the other way, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, turn the wheel that way." <laughs> We get back to the driver's center and he's like, okay, what did you do wrong? What did you do wrong? Well, everyone does this wrong. Everyone does, does this wrong. Congratulations. You have your license. Oh. So I was like, man, not only do I get to graduate high school because of insight recorders, I get my driver's license. You provide lives, Simon. I, I didn't. You see, I, this is the first, I heard this story. Oh yeah. I am. <laughs> I Ashamed, proud, <laughs> somewhere in between. I, no, no. I mean, that's the idea. I mean, we are essentially talking about what the music business is anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Backdoor deals. I know some guy over there. He's going to get us in the back. Yeah, speak literally the back the door. The back door. So we can actually watch this show for free. Or I'm, I've gave this guy a couple of t-shirts. He's going to do this for us. Or, yeah. hey, I got. A, there's a friend of mine who owns a van, and I need to get a ride, and we need to take it somewhere. I know. Okay, let's borrow his van. Like Full quid pro quo. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when your your um your co-op teacher came over to the studio and we had to like twice first to the old place yeah and we had to like we should have won an Oscar <laughs> you and your buddy are in there and it was you like pretending to record oh man and saying okay that was a good take and your teacher was so impressed well it's the magic of the studio right yeah it, it was like so to paint the picture this studio was at Dundas and Ossington pre you know, pizzeria, libretto, all of these high-end bars. Like, yeah. this was people from Cam H on day passes coming oh, yeah. up and, like, sitting in the living room. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was down 1166E, Dundas West, yeah. So, which doesn't even exist anymore. No. No, it's a bank. It's a, yeah. it's a something bank. Isn't it funny? It went from a studio to a bank. But it's like, <laughs> it was it was beside a Portuguese grocery store. And yeah. You had to go down a hallway. Yeah. And pass all these cases of like Luso bottled water. Yeah. And it just all these a million and a half smells. And I remember we had this good thing worked out where I, it, after my band recorded, I was like, hey, can I co op? And you're like, what does that even mean? And it's <laughs> like, well, I'll come in basically three times a week and work for free in three hour spurts. That's when I learned you can't work at a studio for no. three hours. No, you're there all day. Or... But the great part about that is that. I was able to make the argument that I should get four credits instead of two because I was putting in six or seven hour days. Mm -hmm. My family was stoked that I was having fun mm -hmm. and, and learning and stuff like that. But I was more on the admin side. And I mean, even to this day, I'm not, I'm not an engineer. Mm -hmm. I'm not like, I'm not a, a producer, but I think that because that's what was expected. Yeah. We had this good thing going. And then the teacher's like, well, I have to come in and visit. And we're <laughs> like, Oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, what, yes, teach me what you've learned yeah, what, yeah and so i think we spent a, a solid half day being like you're like this is the board this is a channel these are faders this is what this is gonna do <laughs> yeah and just hit, hit these buttons over here to look important exactly and it's like we we literally we compute we completed the the, the greatest 
the greatest it's like acting. the sting. Remember yeah. the movie The Sting where yeah, they changed the time? Exactly. It was literally like we created our own environment for your teacher to come in and be wowed. Well, and it's like, you know, you see the board and you see like the you see all it this wasn't stuff. Even that impressive. And, no, and but I remember we had to tell a couple of the uh, the artists in there who should remain nameless. It's like if you guys could not smoke pot until like four thirty today. Yeah, that'd be nice. It would greatly help our case. Yeah. And yeah. So I remember she came in, Ms. Dunning came in and and just looked at it and was just like, wow. And I'm sitting mm. behind this board that I'm like, I don't know how to turn this thing on. <laughs> and and just being like, someone singing in the booth and it's like, yeah, I feel like. Let's get more emotion on that take. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Love it. It was Just awesome. Boozling your teacher. And I'm the when I think the same teacher came to the to the, to your to house. the house. Yeah. But we actually had the control room upstairs in that sketchy staircase. Sketchy staircase that pulled up, right? Yeah. And and yeah. And it was on. I eventually moved the control room down there so it was like one big thing. Well, two rooms, I mean. Yeah. But the um I remember because your teacher was a little on the heavy side. Yeah, she's, yeah, that's that's the polite way of putting it. She's coming down these yeah. stairs, and I'm like, oh my god, I hope she doesn't fall down these stairs. She'll fail for sure. Like, yeah. Well, and <laughs> the other part of that is like, this is the difference between the '90s and now. Yeah. Like now, you would have the school in there being like, I need to call the board and find out if this is certified, and mm -hmm. find out if this is this. In the '90s, it was just like, here you go, go work yeah. in this guy's house. And I got a plaque. I got a plaque. Oh my God, that's right. They mail, or you sent, somehow I got a plaque. Yeah. And I still have the plaque somewhere. It's in my crawl space somewhere down. And I, for jokingly, I put it beside my Trouble Charger gold, gold album. Gold album. <laughs> yeah. So it's like right beside it. And I'm like, that's an achievement for a guy like me who had no business training or no real like experience on how to do stuff like yeah. that, you know? So, you know, and it's so funny. It's, it's neat to think that I was kind of learning on the fly. Like, what business other than that do you get to sort of start from nothing and get a little better, a little better, a little better, a little better, and then people all of a sudden start wanting to come and gravitate to you, and then you get a little better, and then you get more angry, and then they start going away. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's what happens. Uh, true story? Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life. Um, my life. Yeah. It's yeah. it's one of those things that, that is um so cool about w what we get to do in this business, but also kind of frustrating. Because uh, anyone can hang a shingle, right? Mm -hmm. So, the way I look at it as a as a, a seasoned manager with some gray hairs these days mm -hmm. is, um, I I know that what I do is legitimate, and I know that I provide value, and I know that what I'm doing is real because I'm I'm paid, and I get to live a great life because mm -hmm. of what I get to do. Mm -hmm. um, what bothers me is that someone can go to Staples today and order 500 business cards. And all of a sudden, they are my competition. So yeah. their hobby competes with my profession. So, yeah. I mean, if you become a doctor or a lawyer, there's like a linear path that you have to follow. It's and true. there are certain steps. Schooling and, yeah. and, and standardizing. and Whereas we just have to fail so much and still wake up and do it. And that's what makes us successful. But mm -hmm. that's awesome. And yeah. I mean, you were learning on the fly. I was learning on the fly. And little did I know that, you know, to prove that this is a business of relationships, you know, you, you mentioned Trouble Charger. That was the band that occupied the most time in that studio. And this was pre-American Psycho. Yeah, I was writing that album. Yeah. They and, were writing and recording and demoing. And I mean, I remember, you know, you're in high school, you're 16, you see the guys that did you know red and even grable and maybe it's me and mm -hmm. um all those things and i'm like well these guys are rich 
Mm-hmm. And they were an experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. not in dollars and cents. No. And, you know, seeing what a band goes through when they're trying to write a record that, you know, the drummer's like, I don't know that I get to play on this record. And I'm like, what does that mean? You're the drummer in the band. Of course yeah. you get to play on your record. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they brought in uh, their producer from L.A., <laughs> who was the first guy I ever met from L.A. Matt Hyde, and, everybody. Yeah, uh Porno for Pyros, um, did like did Produced a lot of work a with of No stuff. Doubt, Monster yeah. Magnet, stuff like that. Co-wrote uh, Spiderwebs by No Doubt. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, as the first guy I met from LA, he did not disappoint. Oh, no. Um, no, no. He was on the he- he was pretty heavy, though, based on... Because I met... Obviously, we met people from LA. Yeah. But he was on the heavy side of everything's better in LA. Oh yeah, so slight, well, totally racist against like what Toronto can offer. Yeah, like we're getting Thai food and we're getting really good Thai food from a place that's like we like. And yeah, he's like, no, this Thai food sucks. Wait, you get real Thai food when we go to L.A. and all yeah. that stuff. And I learned like later on that they were like eating that Thai food and go, this Thai food fucking sucks. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and and in that in in the full L.A. ness of him. Also, I think promised to bring us both down there. And oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it happened. No, but no, no. but it was uh, from <laughs> my, it? from what I recall. <laughs> but I also remember just being in the room with this guy, and he's like, "Where are the hookers in this city?" Yeah, and I'm 16. Yeah, <laughs> or he made us move the couch. Get yeah. the couch out of here. This couch, we don't need this couch here. Get the couch out. Yeah, We're like uh, okay, sure, man, sure. There goes the couch there. You know, but it was like I remember, and and you know, moving forward. So that would have been 99, I guess. Around yeah. 2000. Around, yeah, 99, 2000. It would have been, yeah, either or. And it was, um, I remember after that, it's like, you know, by 2009, I was managing Greg Norrie. Yeah. And and I'm like, wow, this all started in grade 11 in co-op and it's you're, you're planting these seeds and, and, mm-hmm. it, and you're being a good person and you're going the extra mile for people and somehow they will remember that. Yeah, and uh, the full, you know, one the full three sixty of that was I sat on a panel with Greg once, and I told that story, mm-hmm. and Greg goes, "That was you," <laughs> and I'm, I'm just, I'm like, "Never mind what I'm saying, people. It's all yeah. good. Sometimes yeah. they forget." Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. They're my my one of my other like because you called me one day because I used to leave you there because it was Matt running the show yeah. and I would just take off and because I was needed I just yeah. go do other things. Like I'd actually do gigs in between yeah. recording bands and stuff. So I remember you called me one day and you're upset and you said like, "Hey, uh, you got to talk to Bill for me because um, Bill yelled at me." I'm like, "Oh shit! Why did why did Bill yell at you?" Yeah, he told me to clean the microwave better. Oh yeah, and I actually, you know, I came, I <laughs> took Bill aside and said, "You can't." Talk to him that way. Yeah. You can't talk to anybody that way. But that was sort of his nature. That's life lessons, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, and it's like, you know, I think it was uh, funny. I had I had buried those memories deep down. Yeah. But now it's like, I'm going to call Bill. Yeah. But um, he's on the show last week, actually, if, if we listen to it in Chronicle Order. Oh, really? Yeah. Chronological awesome. Order. He was on, I just did one with him. Yeah. So he'll be on the week before. This. Um, And I remember that. And it was just like, same old Bill. I had never, yeah, and I had never met. Uh, I mean, Bill. Bill is a true artist, mm-hmm. and I had just never really met someone that was in that nature. Where it's like, you know, and I, I don't say this to as a slight to him, but people skills weren't necessarily his thing. He could speak nope. very well. Um, when it comes to songs, he could speak well with his yeah. guitar. But it was like, you know, the way that most people would approach my microwave cleaning 
uh, he chose to go down another path. He is not passive aggressive at all. Like, he yeah. has no passive aggression in him, nor does he have actual aggression. Yeah. He has this sort of rage. He still does. This <laughs> yeah. sort of rage that is, he says little words, and, and those little words he says mean a lot. So yeah. he has a short sentence, but it, it actually, there's a lot to be said there. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that maybe that's okay. Like, maybe you're okay with that now. Yeah. And as an, as an artist manager, I've learned that sometimes you need to be the translator for your artist. Mm-hmm. That when they walk into a room and say something, you kind of need to be there a couple minutes later to be like, what was meant was. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's, it's fine. But yeah, I mean, that entire year that I spent at that studio was so invaluable because A, it took away the myth and that that myth that and this is even the 90s when people were buying cds like these yeah. plastic discs an for 20 dollars, yeah. and to actually be there and see uh, a band that by all accounts because they were on the radio and they were on much music and they were on big tours had quote unquote made it mm-hmm. but to understand what made it means in canada oh yeah absolutely. and it's like you know a couple of the guys in the bands are like oh you know like i, I work a side job here sometimes and it's like why you're a star Mm -hmm. you are a star you do not have to work a side job it's like well Mm -hmm. if i want to maintain my queen west you know apartment with the three other people that i share it with sometimes you got to work a job yeah and it was um it it prepared me for everything that i was going to go through musically because it um it sets a standard yeah it gave me expectations and and i mean the one thing is that, you know, when you're 16 and you're 17, uh, emotional intelligence isn't really something that's uh, developed. Mm-hmm. But when you spend that much time, um, you know, immersed in, in a studio setting like that, you learn a lot through osmosis. And Yeah. Well, it takes a certain type of person to learn that way. Yeah. There's and- not a lot of people out there who would come into it eyes open. Yeah. And I think we struck a kindred spirit there because I had the same idea, like, 10 years before then, yeah. I was being brought on tours that I probably shouldn't have been on because I was young and in, in, you know immature, but I learned real fast yeah. you know, from people who taught me things. And luckily, they were the good lessons because if you know, you can learn bad traits from bad people. It's true. Yeah. And, and there are people out there. Well, I mean, uh, some of my takeaways were like, you know, there were some people that we worked with where it's like, I, I mean, I, ne- I won't say I ever had like a, I did have one bad experience, but- um, the the majority of the experiences I had takeaways from, yeah, which was good, and and I think that what was amazing was that I learned that it's like production and engineering aren't really for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have that ear. Uh, I love playing music. I still play music, but I I not the guy that's like mm, the four K really needs to you know yeah come down to this and and oh this is way too compressed and that I don't hear that I just hear yeah. I as a as a drummer I only hear drums go figure. But you've also but you've tuned your brain a different way to hear music in a way that is not just tonally good but trending like or perhaps looking ahead and maybe try to read the future. Oh yeah, I know what I like and I know what I can sell and yeah. I know that sometimes those don't match up mm-hmm. and I have to uh, you know I have that inner battle of what what do I go with and, mm-hmm. and what's going to make more sense for me. Yeah. But the funny thing is there is that, you know, after a year of that, it's like, 
I saw what, what this business is, which is sometimes you get the treble chargers of the world, which are, you know, a professional band and they come in and they block book a studio for a month and they may not even use it for a week. So mm -hmm. you don't have to go in, mm -hmm. but it's like you're paid and your bills are covered for that month, probably. And then some, because yeah. you, you, you know, you had more than you expected. Then there's the, it's January, it's light, like this band of 16-year-old kids who are just shitty and disrespectful as people and like as musicians, they're shitty and disrespectful. <laughs> um, and, you know, and they're coming in and we have to grin and bear it yeah. because, you know, there's they're still utilities, there's yep. still rent and there's still everything like that. Mm -hmm. So, it, yeah, yeah it, it let me know that it was like, yeah, you know, in a perfect world you can turn down all that work because everything else is going on yeah you know and i did another five or ten years of that and now i don't need to work with shitty 15 and 16 year old kids yeah i don't want to yeah and that's actually kind of scared me away and i actually ended up getting what's considered a real job which i ended up just doing sound at a university and then now where i'm working now i'm working with people yeah but recording bands is not, it's my passion. So it's not my money making thing. And it's, yeah. you know, and this whole thing about the show is like, what's your passions are and what compromises are you willing to push or make to keep doing it? Yeah. You know? And that was that, you know, the 16 year old kid band is a classic example of, I don't want to do it. Yeah. But I'm gonna. You know, and there's that little like, well, maybe they're going to be the next Green Day. Yeah, you maybe they know. take. Maybe you've got someone in that band that understands something. Yeah, maybe you've got someone. And in I that... did with your band. Yeah, because there was a guy like you who got it, and we could we could speak almost the same language. Yeah, but you were like a ten year old younger younger version of me, and that I could see that was oh, there's a lot of you know promise. Yeah, and 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 hustle and drive because I learned that it's like oh, sometimes if you don't dial the phone. The phone doesn't ring back on yeah. your end. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we would have those months where it's like, all right, these five bands were in the last five months. Let's call them and see if they want to record again. Yeah. Or, and yeah. it's it's funny that, you know, those relationships that, that you make even then at 16 and 17 years old, the first band I ever worked with in your studio was a band called Toe, Take Off. Oh, a. yeah, yeah. And then they became Cauterize. Yeah. And then Cauterize opened for my band across Canada on our first ever headlining tour. Yeah, and they ended up making something out of the business too. A hundred percent. And and it's like, you know, not the one thing I I still get, and I'm sure you get this all the time. It's like, oh, how do I, how do I make being in a band my full time job? Mm -hmm. And it's the answer is very simple. When you don't have to do anything else to pay your bills, being in a band is your full time job. Right. And you could take that scenario, insert that with record producer independent music publisher. How do I make this my job? Well, it's actually a very clear point when it becomes your job, when right. you no longer have to do anything else yeah. to support your, yeah. your there, living. You work, you work, like we said this, I think in our last conversation, you work 10 years of your life for no money yeah. to perhaps get a paycheck at the, the 11th year. Yeah. And that's not even guaranteed. Yeah. It's you know? like it, the, the analogy I always use and as much as I try not to sound bitter, but I mean, this industry is what it is. It's, it's a, we buy a lottery ticket um, to a lottery that may not have a draw. And if it has the draw, we don't know what the jackpot is. Mm -hmm. And then even if there is a jackpot, they still have to draw our number. <laughs> so it's kind of like, yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, it's not, it's not 649 where this Friday there's going to be a, a draw. It's like yeah. maybe in 10 years we'll yeah. get something there. And I think your, your knowledge of 
ebb and flow and how this business works allows someone like you to keep doing it? Because could you, I mean, we've all had failures in this business. You know, Huge. We've, we've, we've fought hard and we've stood behind it. Like I, I know some managers who would walk in front of a bus for their band. Yeah. And you say one little thing about that band, all of a sudden your name is shit. Yes. Like you're the, you're in, you're in, but that's, that's loyalty. Yeah. That's hard to get in friendships, let alone yeah, a guy that works for you. I mean, when I, I, I mean, the, the path, again, we talk about, there's no real linear path when it comes to music and, and what we ended up doing now for a living respectively is not what we train for and not what we probably, if we could go back 19, 20 years and talk to ourselves back then, mm-hmm. it's not what we thought we would be doing. No. And I mean, you know, when I, when I left, um, the, you know, the job of, of being like, you know, essentially your, your assistant and trying to help run some admin things in the studio and joined a band and it was like, well, this is going to be the rest of my life. Yeah. And then it's like, well, actually it was three and a half years and you guys got dropped because your last record didn't perform very well. And oh, by the way, pop punk isn't cool anymore. Um, Alexis on fire came out. The used came out. People are screaming now. And it's Mm. like, well, I don't want to scream. Yeah. And it's like, all right, so I have to find something else. Right. We'll see you in twenty years when it all comes when around again. When it all again. comes around again. But yeah. like, hey, why don't I um why don't I tour manage? Why don't I fall into that? And yeah. then it's like, oh, okay. You do that for five or six years and, and you're like, Oh, now I understand the business. Mm-hmm. I understand that, you know, there's a, a guaranteed amount of money that the band gets, but if you sell a certain number of tickets, there's another guaranteed amount of money. Mm-hmm. There's how many dollars per head are we doing per person in the venue in merchandise? Um, do we hit a bonus at a certain number of tickets sold, et cetera, et cetera? And then, oh, also, we want to travel in a bus and we want a crew of five, but I have to make the profit margin for the artist into 60%, but also they pay their manager 20% and their agent 10%, business manager 5%. So I only have 15% to work with to pay for crew and the bus and all of this. And it was like, it was human Tetris and I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. But when I decided to come off the road and, and I'm, you know, I know you can attest this as well, that being on the road has a, a shelf life for most people. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's a, you have to be a special breed yeah. to do that. And I'm not that special. You know, I can will myself not sick. I can, I've got that part down. Yeah. But as soon as I get home, I get sick. Oh, yeah. Um, so for me to do a run of a two-week run would be probably death-defying. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I kind of, I was 25, 26, and I had already experienced. And that's young. Yeah, that's, be, that's young. To be in that that position yeah and and looking at it now very much so and and i realized that you know signing a deal at 19 was not what i thought i would do yeah it all and and i'm glad that i did it at that age again i wish that i i maybe had a bit more um a little bit more maturity so i could understand more of what was going on around then but uh, but at least i can i can look back and i have takeaways from it yeah did you mention it was not by choice? Did oh you? no, that's yeah. the just the plug. It's still on Spotify, and yeah. uh, don't yeah. listen on YouTube because the royalties are terrible. But mm. if you go to Spotify, you might make a fraction of a penny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I need to maintain this lifestyle I've become yeah, accustomed that's right, with to. With all that, not by choice money. All of it, not yeah. by change, not no. by change. <laughs> yeah, not my change, not my change. <laughs> oh god, but that ended at, for me at uh, you know twenty three. Yeah, and. Then at that point, I was transitioning into tour manager, 
And then at like 25, 26, I had been, you know, all of it overlaps. And I was just like, I need to come off the road. And I talked to a guy that worked in management. He was with, um, he was like a touring guy at, at Coalition Music in Toronto. And I said to him, I think I was working for a band that shall remain nameless that I went on to manage after the fact and like still owes this company tens of thousands of dollars yeah. to never be seen again. Yeah. But, um, I was just frustrated with everything and I was sitting and catering at like the amphitheater in Toronto and this guy came in and I'm like, if you hear of anything that's like not on the road, by all means, please let me know. And, uh, he called me like a few months later. He's like, remember that thing we talked about? Mm -hmm. He's like, would you like to come to Richmond Hill? You know, where the office was at that time. And would you maybe like to, um, you know, talk about coming off the road? And I was like, Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I just remember being like walking into that meeting and like wearing like the best clothes that you, you own to go into that meeting. And you're like, wow, I haven't had to wear a suit since hockey. I wonder if this fits. And, and you're like, yeah. not really, but I'm wearing it. And, mm -hmm. and you go in and everyone's in a t-shirt and jeans. Yeah, it's true. And I'm like, Oh, it's not a bank and yeah. I'm not applying for a loan. Yeah. Or but, a job really. Oh, yeah. Or a job. <laughs> but I remember, you know, we had a, a series of like three hour meetings, probably like five, three hour meetings. And, they were they were grilling me and little did I know they were also vetting me. They were calling other people in the industry being like, is this guy done right by you? Has he, you know, he he's dropped your name. What's your relationship with him? And and this is where it's like, you know, you're you're only as good as your relationship. Absolutely. And, and your your rapport. Yeah. So I remember being like, they are about to slide an offer across the table that will literally like change everything in the pot of gold at the rainbow that ticket that i got you know eight years ago this is the jackpot mm -hmm. they were like we're prepared to give you zero dollars mm -hmm. and i was like that's not how this works in the movies <laughs> and and they were like <laughs> yeah and i mean they were like you know when we started with frozen ghost and with our lady peace um we were not given a paycheck eric lawrence used to load planes from midnight to 6 a.m and go home and sleep for two hours and wake up and race over to Rob Lanny's mom's basement where they had one phone and two desks mm -hmm. and they had to crawl over each other to, to get out of the office and Rob would deliver pizzas or work construction uh, security at night. Just yeah. and, and it was like, oh, this is keeping you in your management habit. And they were looking at it as like, you shouldn't come into this entitled you've got a history that's going to get you clients and going to get you into the room to mm. meet them. But you basically have to like, you're going to earn and what you're going to gain is an education because we sit in an open concept office and you're going to be five feet from each of us and you're going to learn through osmosis. And three months into the job, when I was questioning my own abilities, you know, someone would ask you a question and then you would answer it confidently. And you're like, wait, how did I know that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I've been immersed in this, much the same as the studio. Yeah. And I just know. And with knowledge comes confidence. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, now I'm more confident. So now when I go into these meetings, I don't have the imposter syndrome. I'm just yeah. like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, no, I get this. I can go in there and I can, I can make this happen. I mm -hmm. can make this happen because yeah. this is what I know. But the B part of it is that you truly understand where your strengths and your weaknesses lay. 100%. And that is not a trait that a lot of people have. Yeah. 
I've met people in your profession that you're like, you can see right through this motherfucker. Like, mm-hmm. I know he's lying to me. I yeah. know he's not being straight with me. Yeah. I know. Just, and maybe it's skepticism, but a lot of it, it's like, no, 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 no. There's a few flags that go up along the yeah. way. So, but you have this, this, this understanding of yourself that, you know, it's, it's kind of special because in this business, you know, because you want to impress them yep. and you want to do good by them and you need to build things up, you know, in a way, but there's, there's, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I owe it to, to everything. What, what I've done now, my, my, my body of work, if you will, as a manager, which is really my artist's body of work. It's the sum of all parts. Mm-hmm. And, and part A was playing in a ska band in grade 10 and 11 and making a call to a recording studio and just asking questions that weren't dumb because I didn't know them, you know? So it's like the worst anyone could do would be laugh at me. And if I called a couple of, you know, other studios, I might've been laughed at, but it's like, Hey, here's what's up. This is what this is going to cost. This is actually how this works. It doesn't really quite work like that. Yeah. You weren't a dick to me. And it's like, Oh, and then that turned into a business relationship. And it's like, amazing what happens when you treat people well yeah and and i look at it as like from going through you know getting cheese sandwiches for bill priddle from treble charger and using that thumbtack on that that coffee percolator and then going in and being in an indie band to being a signed band to to going around the world to being a band no one cares about to being a tour manager for bands that are on a bus to being a tour manager for bands that can barely afford a van uh and then going into this management job where for the first three years there was no profit. I tour managed on, on weekends. Mm -hmm. July, 2009 was the craziest, craziest month of my life because I had taken this job as a manager in January, 2009. I let the guys know that there were definitely days where I would need to go out and, and TM still to make money. And then I was also like, working under the table as a as a, a bartender for like a friend who owned a bar like a, a hockey buddy of mine owned a bar he's like you can come in on tuesdays and wednesdays no mm-hmm. one will recognize you and just yeah just you know pour pints and i was doing anything i could just to pay rent and to pay gas to get to richmond hill <laughs> to not make money but to get what i thought back then i'm like what am i doing now it all makes sense because now it was an education mm-hmm. but that that month of july 2009 I was still tour managing. I was tour managing uh, Thornley, and I was working uh, with Coalition with with a band that I had that had just signed to Roadrunner Records around the world, um, and it was just starting to to you know we were laying the foundation to build the house upon. And I remember doing forty hour weeks in the office over four days, and I was on twenty nine planes in thirty one days that month. And I was going to fly to LA to meet the band that I was working with, um, you know, literally pulling money from a couch to go onto Expedia and like find something that would work on a credit card from Capital One that I got just to book that flight Mm -hmm. um, because I knew that they were going to sign at this show. And it was very important that a manager is there to, to see that. Yeah. And then flying back the next day, to do festival of friends with Thornley and Hamilton. So I had left my car in Buffalo because it was cheaper to 
park and fly there and then drive from Buffalo to Hamilton and do the show. And I'm like, if that month didn't kill me, then I, and I, and I have the insight to go back and look at it and see what it did. Mm -hmm. Then nothing is too challenging. Yeah. Like yeah, that's, that's the hell one. Yeah, yeah for sure. and we all have them. You, yeah. we all have them. Yeah, yeah. When there's reasons too for making, like you say, like you understand the importance of certain things to be able to have to prioritize things, and that's what has you know I've gathered has helped you because you prioritize things a certain way. Yeah, and when you put things at the top of the pile and say that's my priority. And you know, there's another thing. Uh, people who are artists, they don't understand what priority levels and all that stuff how it works yeah you know we were we both work for certain people who a certain person who can't balance their checkbook but they're a fucking genius yeah you know? oh yeah but they're a genius but they can't figure out like anything that's sort of normal yeah and i think i mean it's uh, and i'll never slag off on artists i know a lot of people that slag off on artists and and you have to be like you know if they didn't create what they created this ecosystem fails because we don't have jobs. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? If I have an artist that tells me that, you know, the organic cheese backstage is the most important thing. And then I'm able to talk to them and be like, you say that because you haven't seen the ticket counts. Yeah. And you say that because you haven't been on the calls with the promoter who's asking for money back, knowing that this is not going well. Yeah. But then, I'm able to hear that artist out as to why that organic cheese is the most important part of their day. And it's like, you know what, if that is something that is just, uh, uh, you know, it's absolutely a pillar of you performing well because you have this thing in your head that you need that. And if that doesn't happen, this doesn't happen. And, and none of us make money, then I'll make sure that you get that. But I'm also going to open your mind and, let you know uh, you know i'll be the first to call you when things are going well mm -hmm. i also have to be the first to call you when things are not yeah and and that's just that's that's life yeah and it's like so guess what things are not right now and yeah. it's and and i think that yeah those artists you you really have to it's a two-way street and you need to you really really do need to educate them Oh yeah, you know, there's been going. sound people of friends of mine that go out and tour with certain people and tell them to say, you need to say please and thank you. Like they treat them like children. Yeah. You say you have to do this because this is how you function in society. And you know, and I'm not willing to give, well, you know, I wouldn't slag off a particular artist for being a particular way yep. because I understand what you're saying. But at the same time, there's a certain, there's a certain reason why a song they wrote is super popular is because they think that way. They think a certain way. Yeah. And sometimes the way they think isn't considered... Uh, normal behavior because oh, yeah. you need a little bit of insanity and in all this to sort of create and you know chaos and well and that's you know. because normal people would look at what this entails and they would run the other way yeah like you know i have i have friends that work in banks that we go out for you know beers on friday and we talk about our weeks and the stuff i'm talking about they're just like <laughs> wow yeah like man yeah. I'd give it all up for that. And I'm like, no, you you've got a pension. You've got benefits. Yeah. You don't worry about a touring season. Yeah. You don't worry about hits because the money keeps mm -hmm. coming. Yeah. But uh, it's like if the, if the artists were, were, cause they think it's romantic. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, they think it's like, this is normal. Like, yeah. You watched one too many episodes of Entourage. Yeah. And it's like, so when does your client give you the Maserati? 
Yeah. And it's like, not yet. I'm like, I haven't had a client give me a Mazda. <laughs> like, you know, like, or a 10 speed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a Schwinn. Yeah, yeah. Even if it was, yeah, <laughs> Schwinn. Oh man. Enough just to get to the beer store back. Yeah, so, exactly. So like, we could get those bucket beers. Yeah, but. that's right. <laughs> well, I mean, so the, the whole, I mean, when you talk about having to sort of understand how the artist thinks but at the same time translate it into normality yeah. that's constantly our business like yes you know one case in point is we show up to a show that they're like we're not giving you any booze and the group's like we need booze so i'm like okay so i went and bought two bottles of wine yeah and brought them so does that make you happy now yeah and it did <laughs> you know but it's also, amazing right like what other line of work can you go to and and I've had this talk with, with artists before where it's like, they're like, yeah, we're just going to have a, a few drinks pre-show. And it's like, why don't you have a few drinks post-show? Mm. Because if you worked at Canadian Tire and no, you, you showed up, that. you yeah. showed up three drinks in. Unless it was German Tire. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough, right? In Germany, yeah. what's your constitutional right to have a beer at lunch? Continental Tire. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, um, I think that there's, it's, you know, and I, I see this from when my friends come to shows and stuff like that and they've not they've not been on this side of the business and they're just like, wow, they're like, this is uh, this is not normal. And you're like, no, this is the furthest thing from normal. Yeah. You've got a promoter that's like, can I get you anything? And it's like, yeah, we're going to need another you know case of beer. Another case of beer shows up yeah. and they're just like, wow. Yeah. And you're like, no, you don't know what went into this for this to happen, right. for this promoter to do this. And the fact that the promoter did that means I think he's making more money than he's letting me know because he was way too easy <laughs> to bring that that yeah. beer to the table. Yeah. And and there are all of these, you know, there are all these variables and yeah. and I think that you have to be in it to to do it, you know, a certain way. And I remember, you know, going to to your studio in 1999 and and seeing um all of these photos literally pictures that were taken with like a disposable camera mm -hmm. that you you'd print it out and put on the wall and it's like there you are in a in a minivan in the rockies and i look at it because i had never done that yet i, mm -hmm. I had not been in that position and i was just like man like talk about total freedom <laughs> and the greatest day of your life yeah and you probably look back to that photo and you're like i wanted to kill the other two people in this picture yeah we had just gone through our third transmission thing <laughs> you know we're pushing this thing on the coca-hola oh, to try yeah. and get it up there we almost died on the coca-cola we all we've yeah. all almost died yeah. on the coca-cola yeah. but i had a very bad van crash on the coca-cola oh really yeah. yeah we didn't i didn't have a crash i dealt with some weather but yeah. i no no crash we were ended a semi truck doing 100 we were doing 100 and it was doing 10 oh and it was pretty bad guy broke his back yeah it was the trigger happy days oh dear 90s. yeah yeah and and i mean talk about a band that, that did some hard touring oh yeah and you know i remember coming in there and it's like this is you know simon he played he played on this snfu record he was in trigger happy you know like redfish or all this cool stuff and you're like man you're like this is awesome and at that <laughs> point you're like i'm done <laughs> yeah. but that just i mean that that shows the difference right i had not seen that side of the business mm -hmm. and i you know i'll just see SNFU play this show opening for Pennywise or whatever in mm -hmm. front of 2,000 people and not think what are their lives like when this is done. Yeah, like, well, it pretty much almost killed Chai Pig. Yep. Like, in fact, it, it damaged him for life. Yes. He hit his head so hard that apparently he had a concussion that completely changed his whole personality. Really? Yeah, from a crowd member hit him in the head and that's why he has, like, bipolar disease, yeah. you know, dysfunction and he's, he's, he's had nervous breakdowns and he's had, like, 
you know, he's just, he's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's nuts. I mean, if you ever saw that documentary on him, it's... I, ha- I haven't yet. Heart, I man. feel like, yeah, I feel like it's it's maybe a little too close to home. Yeah, you, you just go, holy crap, that guy, you know, he was my roommate. Yeah. In, on tour, you know. And, you know, the sacrifices, you know, there shouldn't be like an award given, but there's at the same time, because you choose your life. You choose you the things you do. Yeah. You choose why you do it. And the reason you do it is because... A, you think that it's empowering to you. B, you feel that it's your calling. Yeah. You know, and you've made it your calling based on what your passions are. So, you know, and this this comes up a lot. This is part of the this conversation where at what cost yes. do these passions and and when does it start hindering with your life or your future? When does yeah. it start changing things? Like when does that happen? I, f- I feel like in when I decided a to come off the road, being on the road is is a drug in itself. Mm-hmm. And and the reason being is that if you're on the road and you're working for a band that's doing well, yeah. you're getting paid. Absolutely. And when you're on the road, you're not spending money mm-hmm. because you're on a bus or you're in a hotel that's paid for by someone else. You're given a per diem that is non-taxable mm-hmm. and you are given three meals a day and you are given coffee and you are given booze and it's like maybe on the odd day off you'll you'll throw down some change for a laundromat mm-hmm. or like a you know a steak dinner somewhere or or a sporting event or something mm-hmm. but for the most part i would come home totally totally flush with cash the problem there is that with the work being so you know, sometimes it's 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 feast or famine, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes you you get the birds, sometimes you get the feathers. Mm-hmm. But I think that I didn't like that that constant struggle of like, where's my next gig coming from? Mm-hmm. Or oh, the band's going to take six months off. What about us? Yeah. And so when I decided to come into management, the thing that I struggled with was I was like, I'm leaving behind guaranteed good money. Sometimes, sometimes it's guaranteed good money for maybe nothing at all. And I just remember being in like 2000, so I've worked here, so 2009 and 10 and 11. It was fall 2011 when I became profitable. So almost three full years of like, that's a poverty line and and that's not good. And and when you're 26, 27, 28 kind of thing. You start reassessing your life. You do. And you've got your friends that are in, you know, the... um, the the normal ones that are are in their earning years and they're buying a house mm-hmm. and they're calling you being like hey it's christmas vacation you want to go to cancun mm-hmm. and you know the whole trip is $800 but to you you're like if i had $800 i would stop ignoring calls from visa and i would probably put some away for more rent and mm-hmm. i would eat uh groceries that were made by a brand mm-hmm. other than a company called no name yeah <laughs> um and i remember i you know i sort of hit that point where it's like you're taking all these calls from these artists and you're not really happy in life because you don't have security and, and you don't have much and and the artist is just like what's your deal and you're like I just want to punch everyone. That's my deal. Mm -hmm. And I'm not an angry person. Mm -hmm. And that bothers me that I feel that way. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, I think realistically, I probably came within six to 12 months of like my breaking point of being like, I just want to go get a job. Yeah. And it would be really cool if it were in this business. Yeah. But you know, there's also that notion that if you stay in the arts, you have to accept less. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, so this admin job, 
that if I worked for a pharmaceutical company would pay me 70K a year, pays me 32.5, it's the, I'm the highest paid at the company. Mm-hmm. Half of that is being covered through like funding. And um, I get like two weeks vacation, unpaid and no benefits and no pension. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is that enough for me to want to like help someone write their grant or, or something like that mm-hmm. and, and make someone else rich or achieve their dream? It's tough. And, and I mean, I think even thinking back to our time together in that studio, there are probably like four or five guys that I've seen every year or two since then. They're still in the business. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why? <laughs> like, and it's like, and, and I mean, just from being, um, uh, objective. Yeah. I'm like, you've not had success. And, and by success, I mean, you are not solely paying your bills by doing this, but you see that thing in them where they're like, man, I would rather make 28 K a year doing this and, you know, low, you know, stage managing at Canadian music week or something like that so that I could offset my costs so I could still be in my forties and live in this apartment with these other people that share the same lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Because you know what, man, like that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, who am I to say that you're not successful? Exactly. You defined your own success. Yeah. You, you make the decisions that determine your whole life. Yeah. And you like know? you said, you, you choose this life. Yeah. Anyone can leave it. We've seen tons of people leave it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and I don't, um, I don't fault people for that, but no, I remember being, it makes us stronger. Oh yeah, it does. It makes it stronger. If people actually had like a, like a a, a leg up in yeah. this world like that, like if there was, <laughs> we would be a bunch of complacent weirdos. Man, I was in uh, Victoria, BC, three years ago. A band I managed called USS was um, on tour out there, and I think I, I had to go out to do something with the promoter. So I went to the show, and I was standing side stage, and this guy recognized me from my band, and I'm just like. Whenever that happens, if that happens, I always feel someone put them up to it because yeah, I'm yeah. like, how do you recall <laughs> the drummer yeah, yeah, from yeah. this band 15 years ago? Yeah. So he was like, you know, asking me a bunch of questions and he's like, you know, I'm from like the Markham Stouffville area and oh. I grew up with, you know, these USS guys and man, like, look at them, look at them now. Like they're really living it. And truth be told, they were, the band was making great money. It didn't have to work day jobs. Um, I mean, still a modest living to to most, but like this is the dream that, yeah. that so many of us chased after. And this guy was looking at them and the he was looking at them the way that I would imagine if you had a child, you would look at your child for the first time. Mm-hmm. Proud. Proud. And yeah. but not only proud, but a little disillusioned and a little bit like he was like I would give it all up just to get on that stage right now. Mm-hmm. And he said that to me and I looked at him and I kind of laughed and I was like, he's dead serious. Yeah. And he's like, he's there with his wife mm-hmm. his you know, his, his beautiful wife. And he's got a family at home with, with a babysitter that he's not worried about paying because mm-hmm. he can go out and he has yeah. disposable income, yeah. but he see, it's a drug. So he sees it and he goes to me, he's like, tell me it doesn't kill you to watch this guy go on stage and play drums with them. And I'm like, Dude, I'm pretty content. Yeah. Like I'm 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 good. I left it out there, mm-hmm. but maybe I achieved something that you hadn't. But even still, you would give up your your wife, your kid, your good job if these guys looked at you and said, Are you in? Push comes to shove. 
I don't know if he would have. But it's like, but it's like Van's leaving. Yeah. Like this is your bench. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do a, yeah. Buckle up. Here yeah, we go. But you share it with this guitar tech who yeah. doesn't have a habit of showering. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. Um, I you know a few few thoughts. One thought in particular is grass is always greener on the other side. Sometimes it, it's turf. The pers- perspective is everything. Um, I look at people like I do. I look at people with like I call normal jobs. Yeah. You know, and I think there's a reason for that job to exist. That person is happy in that job. Would yeah. I be 100% happy in that job? Probably not. Oh, yeah. Probably not. But there's, you can't slight some, everybody needs to be doing something they're happy to do. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and then now I cross the boundary into job's not always fun it's not always supposed to be fun no it's just sort of a new age thinking of like you know think of our parents and what they did and sometimes the job was traveling a lot and oh, yeah. sometimes you're away from your family but that's what you had to do yeah it's really tough to try and bring that up with a 20 year old now oh that yeah. sort of mentality to yeah, say yeah if you're not happy just quit go yeah. find something else it is statistically true that that careers there's a lot more of them because nobody's really buckling down to do them. Yeah, you don't find your forever home, if you will. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that I found is that there's a, a the majority of my friends are, are entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. and but they work in different sectors, uh, yep. tech, finance, um, you know, e-commerce, you name it. Mm-hmm. And and then there's, you know, me who's in the arts. And, and we have one friend who's not entrepreneurial. He he works a trade, mm-hmm. paid very well for his trade. Um Nine to five means nine to five. Five oh one PM. Bam. Like you could be hanging off the ledge on the site with this guy mm. and he'd be like, There's another shift starting soon. That guy's yeah. got you. Yeah. But it's like I don't fault him for that. And I'll never make fun of him for that yeah. because I'm like, You are you are wired to work that way. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine because it's like, you know, I'll take a call on a Friday night because I've got a band on the road crossing a border and I need to make sure that they're over. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you've got the guy who's like, why are you taking a call? Mm-hmm. Well, you take the call because that's part of the job. That's job. what I signed up for. Yeah. You know, I, I'm 20% of their life. Mm-hmm. And and I stand to do well if they get across this border, much the same as they do. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I don't have an employer. Yeah. And I, the best thing is you're actually not in the van with them or in the in the bus with them. That to me you're is a home. win. That's that a to win. me is a yeah, win. It's yeah. true, right? I say that as I fly to Winnipeg next Wednesday yeah. to be on a bus for a week. Well, you know. Um, but you know what? At the same time, it's it's a celebratory mood and it's all good. It's but a bus. That, and that, it's a bus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That bus is no van and that Mm-mm. is fine. And and it's one of those things where, yeah, you, you choose your life, you choose the way that you live it and- you know, I've seen all sorts of those guys still at those shows where it's like they look at it as like the the girlfriend they broke up with in high school who somehow stayed really, really hot and, yeah. and they settled and they did this. Mm. And it's like, man, sometimes you got to if you if you can't let it go like that, find a creative outlet somewhere. But yeah, learn to paint. Yeah, like yeah, do something else. Do some Bob Ross type shit. Put out you know? a podcast. Put out a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are we working through your problems here, Simon? We are. I'm listening yeah. to other people's problems. I go, you know, life isn't so bad. Yeah, Life's exactly. Good. Life that's, doesn't suck. That's pretty good. Well, you know, the, it's funny, interesting you'd say that because there is an artistic, um, satisfied, uh, being satisfied yeah. artistically speaking. Like, okay, well, I'm 46, going on 47. Am I going to go to Europe and play a tour next month? Yeah. No. Do I want to? 
Kinda. Yeah. But can I? No. No. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> you know, so what am I going to do in my glory years of, of being middle-aged and go, well, what do I want to do? Well, I could write songs. Yeah. I could do that. But I enjoy this. And, oh, you know, yeah. there's something about having satisfied that makes not just you happy, but everybody at home happy. Oh, yeah. You know? So if I'm content, everybody's content at my house because I'm that type of person. I have a little bit of crazy in me yeah. that will, that will, it's, it's tough to handle. Yeah. And I understand that. You know, I know that about me. But there's certain things about me that I think if I'm not busy, and I think my wife will tell you that if I'm not doing something all the time, that I actually go a little mental. Yeah. So I don't know what, what's that called? Well, I mean, you're the kid, you're, you're the kid that there's the reason that the mom has a purse with mm. a coloring book and uh, a bunch of crayons. Mm -hmm. And an iPad, and <laughs> uh, you know, and a and a Ziploc bag full of Cheerios. Yeah, because you you just need you you need that you need the stimulation. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Everyone does. And yeah. I mean, there are times where like, I took a vacation two years ago with um with two of my old buddies, and they were like, let's just go to the Dominican for a week. And that's not me. I, mm. I'm not like an all inclusive guy. Yeah. And I was just like, I I was in Nashville at the time, and I was flying home, and I'm like fuck it, I'm going to the Dominican for yeah, a week. Yeah. And I packed my bag and I brought like a whole bunch of everything and, and I laid on the beach and I remember being there for like 40 minutes and I was like, you know, man, this is great. And then at minute 41, I was just like, I'm going to go to the business center and just check in. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's who I am. Yeah. And And I've accepted it. But I don't need to... I don't need to get into the van and do it. And I think yeah. that there's there's a thing that I think a, a lot of us that are in this business we struggle with moderation. Yeah, um, because we're used to it not being around. Yeah, there's and there's no moderation. We're like cave people and food. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, gotta get it. Gotta, gotta go get, get it. it. If I don't have any food, I'm gonna die. Yeah, yeah, and and I know that um, it oh dear, but it's it's just so funny that you mentioned that you know last summer. Uh, in summer 2015, I, I called the not by choice guys and it was like, Hey, do you guys realize it's been 10 years since we played our last show? And, um, Glenn from the band was like, wow, seriously. He's like, that's depressing, man. And I'm like, well, no, check it out. Like, you, you know, you, Mike and AJ are married. You have kids. Like you've got a great, you, you've got a great, you own houses. Yeah. Dude, we couldn't have done that making what we were making, yeah. but this, isn't this awesome? And then we talked and we were like, what if we got together, you know, here at my office and, and worked in the chapel and, and played, you know, what if we just got together and jammed and we did, and it was so much fun. And it was, you know, dog days of summer, super hot. Mm -hmm. And we played, you know, for like two hours and figured out songs and made fun of each other for not knowing the songs and went mm -hmm. out for lunch and came yeah. back and played a bit more. And it was kind of cool and and Glenn was the most excited out of anyone to put this together and was definitely the the pillar in making it happen. I remember I didn't hear from him for like three days after, mm -hmm. and I'm like, that's kind of odd. Like, we talked every day sort of yeah. moving into this. And I was like, hey, man, you okay? He's like, fuck, man, I'm tired. He's like jumping around and like <laughs> playing guitar and then I came home, and I've got a, I've got a, uh, I've got a son. My neck hurts. Yeah, my back hurts, and <laughs> and I've got a son that still wakes up at six o'clock in yeah. the morning, and I've got this, yeah. and it's like, yeah. So you didn't go full on. You didn't leave your family and sell the house and be like, I'm mm. going back on the road. 
you got a taste of it again and it's like oh yeah mm. this is what it's like at this age yeah and and that's that's important and yeah i mean hey if the right opportunity came along for me to play live i would definitely do it mm -hmm. but i would not give up what i do to do it right exactly because um the other part about playing live is what do you do the other 23 hours of the day exactly that's exactly what, yeah yeah well you know i used to look at those long McQuaid like rock camps for adults yeah and you were y'all getting you put you in a band yep. and then you and then you you play your songs and then at the end of the six months you have a show yeah and i always thought that was so weak yeah until about three years ago when i'm like oh that makes perfect sense. You're like speed dating musicians. Yeah. Putting them in a room with each other. They're having the most fun they probably had ever. It's yeah. like the closest thing to, um, you know, playing like, you know what I mean? And then when you go play the show, you're not just playing in front of your family, but your peers. Yeah. And I thought that is a very good idea for yeah. us as uh, getting older. I thought that's a great idea for people to connect musically again. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean... I, I'm in the same vein. I, I look at a lot of things and I'm just like, this is so lame. Mm. But it's not because, you know what? Like, even, you know, my friend Pat, he's he's a lawyer, he's an entertainment lawyer, and he still plays in a cover band like once every two months. And the best part about that is everyone that plays in that band all have good jobs and families. Mm -hmm. But they're like, you know what? Once every two months on a Friday night, we get together at the pub in Burlington. Yeah. We play three sets of 45. Our tab is covered. We get some chicken wings. Our friends mm -hmm. come out to see us. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, that's fun. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And and yeah. and the same thing. It's like for people that have never tried it, it's like that lets you know how lucky we are to do what we do. Mm -hmm. Because there's no CEO fantasy camp. No. Like, <laughs> you know, do you and I sign up to yeah, be like, yeah, man, yeah. I would love to be yeah. the minister of finance. Yeah. Yeah, let's and go then, to that camp that yeah, allows us to then, figure and, that and out. And then in six months, I close this deal for <laughs> yeah. infrastructure, and yeah. my whole family is around me yeah. watching me sign it. Sign with, stuff, yeah. Yeah, and it's like... That doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. Though I think we might have opened up some sort of new idea. The, hey, I, new I'm, down, of... I'm down for new lanes of monetization, <laughs> so it's... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to wear this suit, but it's just the front part, you know. Yeah, nobody exactly. Can see behind. Yeah, much like Long and McQuaid, that tie is a clip-on, so right. don't worry. You <laughs> don't have true. to get up an hour earlier yeah. to figure it out. <laughs> but I mean, that's when I realize how lucky I am. When mm -hmm. like I get to take my friends to shows of my bands that, that work in a normal sector and are just yeah. like. You know, you hand them a beer that you didn't pay for because a promoter gave it to you. Yeah. They're wearing a laminate that gets them into, you know, this mythical place called Backstage, which is mm. really where my artists do yoga and, like, it's not get Wi-Fi. It's not where the cocaine and hookers are. No, now it's uh, now it's meth and, and Instagram <laughs> fans because that's all we can afford. Yes, but it's like, it's like, like, yeah, who volunteers to be a hooker? We're going to pay you an exposure dollars. That's yes, right. But, uh, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah. I need to remember not to be so shitty sometimes because at the end of the day, what we get to do is still pretty damn cool. Absolutely. This is, this is, it's a job. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we recognize it's a job is what lets us keep being successful in it. Mm -hmm. But also that one out of every 10 shows that you go to where you sort of stand back and you're like, oh yeah, this is a moment. Mm -hmm. And I've not paid to get into a concert for a lot of years and, yeah. and there's a reason for that. And yeah. what these people work their jobs to save up their income for, I get to do and get paid. Mm -hmm. Man, mm -hmm. if I start like 
if I start getting too far off the trail, I I should I should be removed from the industry. I don't think it's going to happen. I think you have a pretty good self-realization because that's the other thing is understanding who you are as a person allows you, what we were talking about before, allows you to not just re- recognize your weaknesses, but mm-hmm. your strengths. And if you can recognize your strengths and use them however you want to use them, most of the times for good. Yeah. You know, and you know, I've met a few people who are really smart and really evil. Those people are tough to be around, but I don't yeah. be around, I'm not around those people yeah. anymore. So yeah. So I gravitate now because I can understand what my strengths are and my weaknesses are. And I'm sure you at the same time. Oh yeah. You know? I mean, there are other managers and I think in, in this business, it's super competitive. You know, there's a, a lot of people vying for not a lot of jobs and it's all shrinking, mm-hmm. but I look at, there are some other managers where I see like, like the way that they close a deal. And I'm like, oh, I wish, I wish I would have thought about it the way that they did. Yeah. But then I also see the way that they treat their clients. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't trade that way of thinking yeah. to, to do that. Mm-hmm. If I treated people like that, yeah. because there's a short and a long game in all of this. Exactly. In everything, really any business. Yeah. You, and you it's like quick money or you can, well, that's the thing, you know, I'm getting on a bus next week to go on tour in a part of the country where it's not selling so great. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I'm going to do that is because I should not just be at the ones where I expected, where I expect a high five. Yeah. It's just like, okay, if it's not going to be great, I'm going to be there with you when it's yeah. not great. And we're going to talk to some people about how we can make it better the next time. Yeah. And that's powerful stuff. Yeah. Because and, that means you want to change what's happening where a lot of people in your business would say, yeah, let's just either cancel that Let's let's focus our energies and where we can make money. Yeah. So I mean, to there's you know there's your thought, your trained thought on it is like we got to work it. You got to work it. If you don't yeah. work it, then you're not going to get anything. If well, you try. Yeah. And there's also at the end of the you know at the end of every project that you work on, having your stop start continue analysis where it's mm-hmm. like what do we stop doing? Yeah. What are we going to start doing? Mm-hmm. And what's been working that we should continue and perfect on? Yeah. And if you don't have the capacity or the the mental strength to go in and be like we did this so wrong and we all made the decision to do that yeah you know as i get older i realize when i make a mistake yeah in life and in work own it oh yeah you have to you know there's a lot of people i work with who just sort of put their fingers in different directions not yep. not now but i have worked with who just point fingers in different yeah. directions go wasn't me yeah well that's weak because yeah. if it was part of you, take part of the blame, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. Or be like, important. yeah, and, and have a takeaway yeah. from it. That's the thing. It's yeah. just like, oh, wow, this fell flat. Let's try and find out why. Yeah. And if it really fell that flat, how do we make it not do that the next time? Yeah. My, I'm cool with that. My favorite thing to tell Greg Norrie while he was managing some 41, that if I, when I was tour managing some 41, that if he would come at me with some like, you did this wrong. Then I would be on the phone and I go, Well, I tried. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I go, You can't get mad at me. And then I start making like, You can't get mad at me for trying. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, okay. That's that's a good point. That's you know, fair. Because he's making up, the, at that point, we're all making up this this thing as we go there's along. No so there's, there's no, no rules. There's no playbook. Yeah, Someone we're told it. him that that's wrong. So he comes to me and say it's wrong. Yeah. But it's not wrong. So, whatever direction we all went in, we all tried to make that decision to make it work, but yeah. it's not working. So let's change it. So it's the same as I only work with artists that, and, um, I will always use the analogy that, uh, I am Google maps, but you drive the car. Yeah. So you type in the destination that you want to go to. Mm-hmm. I will use my wisdom and experience to try and show you the best way to get there. Yeah. But 
if it says turn right and you turn left, that's okay mm -hmm. because it's your career. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I look at and, and I work best with artists that when it comes to picking a single or artwork or like the support for a tour or something like that, that we all look at each other and we're like, is this the right move? And we all say yes. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of artists be like, well, you know, you're the manager. It's like, yeah. yes, you but are. You are reason the, to blame you. At yeah, that you point. are the company's owner and I am the CEO. Yeah. You provide the direction to the CEO and the CEO takes those orders and, yeah. and filters it to their staff. Yeah. So yeah. it's you like. You tell them exactly what the scenario is going to be. Yeah. Whatever and it's, decisions you've made. Too. I'm not going to make a decision for you. I'll yeah. make a decision with you and I'll, mm. I'll, I'll, I'll own the success and I'll own the failure with you. Yeah. But like I will not fall on a sword, so to speak, if we all looked at each other and made a decision and it didn't work out the way that mm -hmm. we thought, which yeah. happens a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and because you're preemptively saying, we're making this decision, I'm not making this decision. Yeah. Now, you can be the biggest um, the biggest success out of it by saying, yeah, it was all my idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if it was all your idea. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, you need to sort of let it all happen. If you don't, then it's going to, perhaps if it fails, you need to make sure that, well, we all made this decision like a business, yeah. you know, it wasn't just me. A lot of managers fall under that trap where it's like, you know, they'll try to change the career saying, hey, you fatty, lose some weight. Oh, and yeah. Hey, you uh, long hair, cut your hair. Um, yeah. And then it all turns into a different scenario. And then, then all of a sudden it's good to be fat now and it's good to have long hair and you've just completely screwed these two people's careers yeah. up by bad advice yeah and again it comes it comes down to that that part where you say to someone hmm? is that the door here nope <laughs> was that rob yeah we get rob we'll out of that yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um it it comes down to you know yeah i i only work best where it's like i i've learned this over the past couple of years where Sometimes the best thing that you could do is to prevent, pre sorry, present the facts without emotion. Mm -hmm. And that way I, I like to digest things at my own pace. So mm -hmm. someone will tell me this is what's up and I'll be like, okay, I should want to call my artist right now and let them know. But no, I'm a little too one-sided on this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to digest this for a couple hours. Yeah. I'm going to see how I feel. And then I'm going to present the facts without opinion. Mm -hmm. And then once they've had a chance to talk, we'll bring our opinions into it. Yeah. But I think I used to lean a little too much towards the way I would hope that it would go. Yeah. And that did not make me a very good neutral salesperson. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Biased now is it's just yeah. like the label called and told me this. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that's crazy. What are your thoughts? You know what? You guys should sit together for a couple hours Talk and then give it. me your thoughts. Yeah. I've got my own. We'll we'll reconvene at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't speak hastily on things that aren't going to. You can't, anywhere in life. Solved. Anywhere yeah, in life. Gets, that's yeah. why you see you never you never argue after a show. If you're yeah. in a band and you have a disagreement, you never yell at each other after a show. Yeah. Wait until the next day. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you let it all sit. Oh yeah. And yeah. that's the thing is that I'm guilty. Of the, no, and we all are. Yeah. And and the thing is is like. This is where, you know, I sometimes want to put on the 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 24-hour rule. If something bothers you, call me 24 hours mm -hmm. after it bothers you. Yeah, yeah. Because 90% of that stuff won't get called because it doesn't bother you anymore. That's right. And it's like, are we going to cause friction for something that's 
maybe not even a thing. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, and, yeah. and and everyone's got their own things, but it's like, um, and then there's the oh well, this bothers me, and you're like, well, that's a deeper seated issue. But yeah. like, if you need to get that off your chest by coming to me and telling me that this is what bothers you, then we're gonna figure it out. Yeah. But yeah, it's a man. It's it's people. You know, we we work with people more than you work with people at a at a nine to five, forty hour a week job mm-hmm. because oftentimes we have to live with these people. Oh yeah, yeah. This yeah. Is, this is your other family. Yeah. Like I know it's like secret family. You're like, oh, that sounds sexy. Not when you meet them. No. <laughs> exactly. No. no. This is no. And you know, there's always that first day a tour and you're like with a band you've probably met once or twice. Yeah. And there's that. And I've got it's gone. Both ways were like, oh my God, I got to spend three weeks in a vehicle with you or I have to yeah. deal with you for three weeks. <laughs> and then you, then you meet a band that like this band, I'm just, they, we're just, you know, we, I've been working with Small Town Pistols. Immediately we had a connection. Yeah. And how did that connection happen? I don't know. Yeah. We just met at the airport. We're sitting there drinking like this. Yeah. Like old friends. Yeah. And, and it all makes sense. And when they got mad at me over doing stuff, they would say, hey, we're not happy with this. Okay, great. And we change it. Because yeah. I'd literally come out of retirement for like, I hadn't yeah. tour managed anything for 10 years. So I come out of retirement. You to almost work. made it. I almost yeah. made it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they keep pulling me back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, they let me make mistakes. And yeah. they go, oh, these are mistakes. And I go, okay, great. I won't make those mistakes anymore. And then cut to our last show where it's like, we're just all working together like we're old friends. Yeah. And there's a respect. And, you know, Roger Basuka could say, I'm falling out, of, falling out of love when you stop working for a band. You fall out of love. Yes. Them. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's funny because like I tour managed Metric for a while and i mean you know you talk to enough people in canada they're like i've got a metric horror story Mm. and it's just become the stuff of legend and Mm. so i walked into that with you know my backup and and being like this is what it's going to be like i can tell you i never i have not worked in the tour management capacity for a better band at communicating Mm -hmm. and not just communicating with one another but if there were an issue if emily or Jimmy, or Jules, or, you know, anyone had an issue. It came to me directly, and it wouldn't be a, you did this, you did this. It would be like, we've talked, and we've decided that when things go this way, mm-hmm. we don't feel very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Is there a way that we can implement that would make this better um, for our comfort levels? Right. And I'm like, okay, what I like about you you're telling me first and foremost that this affects your comfort levels. This is about you. Mm-hmm. And that's fine because you're the artist. You pay the bills. It should be. So you're not trying to sell it to me that this is going to be better for me. If I mm-hmm. do this, you're just being straight up out the gate Yeah. that if you do this, we will be more comfortable. And if we are more comfortable, we are generally easier to work with. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. And you know what? See, they that were, could escalate the other way. It totally could. You being maybe a 30 or 20 year veteran of doing what you do and you're not willing to bend your no. process yeah. because that's what this job is. You're always constant, constantly, you're, Emily is not going to be the same as Chai Pig. No. Well, maybe a little. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not there's they're not gonna be the same band. No. And a lot of people that I've met come into this it's like cookie it's, cutter. It's their yeah. way or the highway. That's why some forty one's gone through sixty seven tour managers. Yeah. Because and that's why I'm the second longest surviving one. Yeah. Because, you know, I told them like, Hey, these are the things I need to tell you, but at the same time, 
you need to live life because you might not be here next year. And they yeah. took that and they used that. And they're still out. They look, they're, they're out touring right now. Yeah, they are. Know? And they go through tour managers and they have Dan Moist yep. is their guy. He's the now the choice. longest. Yeah, he's the guy. He's the longest surviving third. I guess I'm third now because Jeff was their longer. Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. So there's sort of a, um, yeah. So you get to work with these people, but you also have to change your plan a little bit. Because yeah. if something says, oh, I like the room to be 62 degrees. Well, that's, and if you're coming and it's freezing cold, you go, that's too cold. Who gives a fuck what you think? Yeah. They wanted that temperature. Let's do it. And if the, it's not for their success, you don't have a job. Yeah. And that's the age we get to at a certain age where we yeah. start. So, yeah. You know, yeah. It's less. What argument am I going to make? Yeah. And I felt like mm. that. I felt like that that gig was the perfect one to leave the touring world on mm -hmm. because I was at that age where I was a little more self-aware and I was ready to listen as opposed to speak. Yeah. So when, you know, I would get the radio, it would be, you know, Lana to Liam. Lana was uh, the band assistant and, and I'd be like, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. And then I would go up to the stage and Emily would be like, oh, hey, Liam, I just wanted to talk to you about these three things. And it was... um she was very terse. She was very to the point, but I appreciate that mm -hmm. because it's like, you respect that my job is busy and I'm wearing multiple hats and I'm running around. I respect that you don't need to bullshit me. Yeah. And you're telling me that the way that I've been doing something has negatively impacted your day, which means that the trickle down effect is that everyone that works on that deck with you is, mm -hmm. is now feeling not good. Yeah. So you're saying that if I just bend these three ways, it's going to be fine. Of course, I've got a flag in the ground on some things where I'm like, look, you've told yep. me to protect the budget mm -hmm. and we have to do this to protect the budget. And yep. We have to do this, this, this. Yeah, but that's it's what like, I was going to say. There's... Yeah, so there's there's a give and take, but yeah. it's like the three things were generally very easy. Mm -hmm. It added 20 minutes to my day, but 20 minutes added to my day meant that everyone was working in harmony. Mm -hmm. I'll add 40 minutes to my day. Yeah. I'll do it. Like, yeah. that's fine. But it was like, if I were now 10 years later in that role and doing that tour with that band and they were like, Hey, it has to be this way. It would, it would generally be a fuck you. Mm -hmm. This is how it works in my camp. Mm -hmm. Oh, because I wrote help. I'm alive Yeah. because I wrote, you know, combat baby. No, mm -hmm. I live in your world and I'm fortunate to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. You did hire me because you think that I know something that you don't. And that's why I'm doing this job and you're willing to listen. But if you're telling me that something is detrimental to your success and it's because of something that I'm doing that's made it not good, I'm yeah. not going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Yeah. You know, I've been told, cause I come from punk rock and I'm working yep. with a country band and I learned a lot about working with promoters and I learned based on, you know, we, I think we talked about this before, but you can really tell what type of artist is by the tour, the crew. Yeah. You know, when, when, so when I'm advancing shows and I'm not getting the information I need, one situation, I actually went to the guy and said, hey, listen, you're not talking to a five or someone's just started out in this business. I've been yeah. doing this a long time and the band I'm working for have been doing it for as equally as a long time. Yeah. So they deserve this because cause he's like, I asked questions because I'm only talking to the headliners right now, which oh. is like Doc Walker yeah. or something and some f little farm field festival. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I have questions too. Yes. You know, and we're getting paid a certain amount of money to come play because, on your stage. Because you believe this act has value. Yeah. Yeah. But they thought I was talking to the promoter, but I was talking to the PA tech. Oh. And so they're like, you can't, these people are influential. Like they, they're going to get us, like we won't get 
like nominated for these like country music awards because they're part of the voting community. Yeah. I'm going to say, listen, this is the PA guy. Like, I know, oh. I know the battle to pick Yeah, and no. this is the one that I can pick it. And with. they're like, Oh, okay, well fuck that guy. So we show up to this little farm festival field, field in like out by London. And he didn't even, he was told not to show up that day. Oh. So here's the power of like, you know, and they said, you got to kill him with kindness because yep. that's the way to get more stuff. Bees with honey and other cliches. Yeah. But sometimes you got to put your foot down. You got to. And I like the last show we did, I talked to the promoter and the, or the marketing person and saying, there's no, there's nobody announcing the band. There's no merchandise sales guy. In fact, he walked away and now the people are putting their drinks on top of our t-shirts and I'm yeah. pissed off. Yeah. And that's like one of the rare times. And I actually felt like, oh God, I'm going to catch this from the band. Yeah. And they're going to get mad. And then they, they get like later on, like, yeah, you fought for what was right. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing is that the, the our age and experience is taught what is right and mm. like the other ones where yeah. it's like yeah you know if i'm i'm more worried about the show happening than anything mm. right so yeah. it's like thank you for getting us the rider and this trailer and everything that we've ever asked for but it's like mm. i need to see the safety certificate on your stage because it seems to be dipping in the middle mm -hmm. and i have a feeling that this is happening and it's mm -hmm. like but aren't we taking great care of you you are, but now you're putting my artist and my crew and potentially your fans in danger. Yeah. And I don't want to be the the one reading the headline USS, you know, concert tragedy yeah. when it's really just like, hey man, you cut some corners so mm. that we could get that organic cheese. Oh yeah. And like I would rather I would rather have craft singles, mm -hmm. but know that the stage will stand. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, you know, these are these are the things that we look yeah. at and it's yeah. like that's the give or take nature of, oh, of yeah. the business that we're yeah. in. Yeah, I kept going to the kid like, like Lou, Lou, the guy. I go like, "You're a marketing guy. You know how this works." So yeah. I just kept telling him like, "You, you, you know." And he's like, "Okay, I'm sorry." And he said, "I'm sorry." As soon as he said, "I'm sorry," I'm like, "Okay, I'm off. I'm done." Yeah. But if he would have turned to me and got into my nose and say, "Don't talk to me that way," yeah, because he's also later on that day, earlier that day, he said. I'm really tired. I'm like, whoa, you've been here a while? He goes, yeah, since one. I'm like, wow, one in the morning. He goes, no, one in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's six o'clock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, you're, you should be crushing breakfast yeah, at this point. Yeah, you should be ready to, yeah, we're in a casino, man. Let's party. You know? Oh, but, man. Uh, well, yeah, I, um, I want to thank you for coming on the show. No, I, thank I you really, for having me. Yeah, man. Um, let's, I mean, Obviously, there's an open door with this type of conversation. There's always yeah. new stories to be told. Oh man, I feel like every aspect of the industry you and I have lived together, we could we could probably do one on each. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, let's uh, let's 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 uh, let's keep it going. I will. All right, thanks. I can't. Talking. It's been 20 years. I'm not going anywhere now. I know, and me neither, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks, Simon. That was Liam Colleen. He's a good dude. He's a good friend. I don't know if you can hear my voice. I, I just listened back to what I just recorded for the for the intro because I always do like the intro and the outro, sort of like just before I'm about to put the episode. As not, I, I don't just do that because I want it to be fresh. It's, I usually I'm scrambling to get these episodes together and I'm scrambling to get them out. Right now, I'm exhausted. It's getting into February. Mid, it's towards middle of February, and now it's gonna get busy. I'm tired already, and I'm, I'm exhausted. So, yeah. And I just went and saw the Lego Batman movie, and that movie was, it was hilarious. It was nothing short of awesome. Everybody, I suggest you go see that movie. Uh, once again, thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. Thanks to, don't forget to go to Amazon.ca, or 
Don't forget to go to applelog.ca slash Amazon. Bookmark the link. Support the show. Don't forget to help out Americans, too. Your people, too. I know you're afraid because you have that orange-faced monster down there that's just going to end the world. So get everything you can, and then when the world blows up, you won't have to pay for it. I am... Did I say I was, just, I was exhausted? I'm exhausted. I don't even know how many people actually listen to the end of this part, but it's a struggle, folks, to get through these episodes right now. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Um, yeah, I'm going to put code word in. Code word is orange-faced monster. If you get a hold of me through Twitter or through Facebook with the hashtag orange faced monster I'll send you something free it might be a sticker and I'll send you the discography free discography for my band okay orange faced monster that's the code uh what can I tell you about next week everybody next week I got my friend oh my new friend Craig Northy from the odds or is it just odds but uh He's been around the music business since the early 80s. He's been playing in bands and odds were just great bands. I had my odds phase and it actually came towards sort of the early 2000s where I just couldn't stop listening to the, to the odds. And it was a joy to talk to him. That got hooked up through my friend Brent Pelkey. Okay, so thanks for listening to the show. Everybody, I'll see you next week. Bye. Orange-haired monster. Orange-haired monster. Orange-haired monster.